Hey, welcome to Creative Block. I'm your host, V. I interview people in creative industries about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. I ask people on Twitter if they had specific topics they wanted us to discuss as well as some drawing prompts. Also, we just started moving to Instagram, so you can also ask for prompts on Instagram now. And today with us, we have Aminder Dalawal. Hi! Hello! I, I gotta I get had... to your energy level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I did a little intro and then the guests could kind of like <laughs> in the group. Um, I realized I had never said your last name out loud before. I read it in my head a million times. Is that, <laughs> is that, I didn't even hear correct? you. I didn't actually even hear you say it. So it must have been right. Like, I, I feel like I would have remembered if you'd said it wrong. Yeah, it's Dolly Wall. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it was very <laughs> close to what I said. Oh my gosh, what I like, you know, uh, anyway, <laughs> I feel like for both of us, like, because, you know, we have like foreign names. So yeah, when someone like, how do you say right, your last name? Um, The thing is, like, French is tricky because you don't say the last letters most of the right. time. So it's just Bria. And a lot of, a lot of time, it's like, people will be like, Briat. And then yeah, like, I've been butchering it. I'll have you know. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Because um, when I I will say briats for people to like write it down. Because sometimes, you know, like, I don't know, when you're like at the DMV or whatever, you want to help them out a little bit, right? Oh, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I feel like, yeah, my hands have like, and when I'm in my wallet, like, and someone's asking for my name, like for an order, like my hands know like how to get a card and like show it to them so that they have the letters in front of them. I'm nervous for the other person. Right. I'm, like, they're under the stress of having to spell my name. Like, got to help them out. Exactly. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's why I'm like really happy that like when I was in, it was in middle school that I was, I came to the US for the first time and someone was like, oh, I'll just call you V. And I was like, this is genius. And now I just can do like the peace sign. I'm like, V. And people are like, they get it. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I didn't realize song. that it was born in the US. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't, have you always um were you like born and raised in Canada? Uh I was born uh, and and raised until I was 11 um in England. Mm-hmm. Um and then I moved to Canada uh when I was I think I was turning 11 so like yeah for the first 10 years of my life I was in London and then moved to Canada for the next 10 years of my life and then now I've been in the US for 10 years. That's crazy. So you've had like a third or third or third, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's like officially going to be like the US will now be the longest. Um, so it, it's it's kind of nice to have a little bit of everywhere. But it's also like, um, now I'm starting to forget, like, I'm just old enough that like my childhood seems like someone else's story to me. And yeah. so I'm like, just starting to forget certain things. Oh, I also really... feel like I have no claim to being able to like, say that I'm like British like because I haven't lived there in in 20 years so like I don't I have the passport (laughs) yeah that's something that's really interesting because you know like uh, with a um, uh, couple friends and I we were like talking about you know what does it mean to be like a citizen and like you know because applying for citizenship and stuff like Mm -hmm. you know like um, uh, I guess you've gone through that as well but like I like 
had to apply for a visa to work here in the U.S. and then mm-hmm. applying for the green card and all all that jazz. And I feel like, you know, when you start like going through that process, that's kind of like the moment when, at least for me, like I was like, what does it mean to, to <laughs> like citizenship? What does it mean? And um, and then I started looking at all the different because one of my friends is Australian um when my friend is American uh well I have lots of American friends but like it was like the American the Australian and the French sounds like a joke right (laughs) and then I was like what is what are the requirements for each different nationality it's so crazy it's so different from a country to another I mean I know that feeling of like the visas to like work in the U.S. and like I, I remember the moment where like I was getting on a plane I had just like got my like first visa and like I was um I could see a squirrel in like the tree outside of like the airport Mm -hmm. and like in my head I was like that squirrel can go anywhere it wants to go (laughs) and I was like I'm a human and I need a piece of paper and like it just felt so like it, it just felt like so interesting to see and so kind of for a moment just like be inspired by like nature and it's like freedom and and feel so stuck as a human (laughs) even though I was the one getting on this metal uh bird to go to another country (laughs) I know right that's so crazy when you think about it but then again it's like when you really look at these like paper slips that they used to give us on like the airplanes and they're like are you bringing in seeds or invasive species and you're (laughs) like well maybe even they have that kind of paperwork too I guess <laughs> but I can't um, believe how often when I've been asked am I bringing in anything I'm suddenly like I don't know am I and I get yeah! so like scared that I have seeds in my pocket or something I don't know why I would have seeds but whew, that fear <laughs> oh my gosh that's so real this is too real <laughs> I know exactly what you mean um like I want to kind of bring it uh I don't have a good segue so I'll just like get right in the meat of it but um (laughs) how did you kind of what was your relationship to art growing up did you kind of always know you wanted to draw and or write because I think that's what's really interesting with you is that you're uh, an artist and a writer and I feel like sometimes people tend to kind of like um have a dichotomy of the two it's like you're either an artist or a writer but like with you've published two comics you're currently working on a very like word-based uh, <laughs> story right now so um I, I like that uh, description <laughs> of it uh, <laughs> I mean even just that description shows like the difference in you know how we see different kinds of authors right like right. um like I remember when I published my first book uh, I had a family member who or published my first comic I had a family member who um said like she had read it but when she said read she was like she did like bunny ears um oh. because she was, she didn't know if she was supposed to say like that use that word and I was like oh it's like it wasn't like she was trying to mock me but like definitely mm-hmm. like she didn't know the correct vocabulary yeah <laughs> yeah like, yeah about comics um but so your question was like how like my kind of childhood and how I got into kind of um comics and or just got into art right yeah exactly kind of like broadly kind of like um did you kind of always like it did you pursue it what was kind of like your um yeah your relationship with it growing up yeah um so I think I was always artsy um I think I very quickly took on the persona of the art kid um I feel like that's, that's a lot of artists that they like kind of uh 
take over this role in their classroom maybe as like the one who can draw um unless like for you know every now and again you hear about someone who's who went to art uh like an arts whatever elementary school or something I'm like I don't know what that must have been like because my my personality as a kid when I remember back is like that was that I could draw like I don't know if I had more of a personality I was like the one in the class who could draw (laughs) and then uh, I took so much pride in that um that was my entire identity. Um, no, not to say that I knew from that moment that that was something I wanted to get into. Mm. I was just happy to um, be accepted in that way that I was like, my creativity was loved by my friends that like, mm. if someone had an idea for something, I was always willing to draw it or, you know, people wanted me on their group projects because we would have like a good, um, you know, whatever, something to put up, like we would have mm-hmm. a good handout, you know, and it had yeah. like fun pictures on it. Um, so I kind of sank into that role, but I hadn't thought about it as a career for most mm-hmm. of my life up until I was kind of graduating from high school and I had kind of taken everything. I had um, allowed myself to be open enough that when I graduated from high school that I could take whatever I wanted um Mm -hmm. I there was some part of me that was holding on to this belief that I might go into medicine and I Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was just culturally or um if I really thought that I could do that but I had taken whatever I needed to to have the prerequisites um in my heart I do think like art was um it just felt so me and I was I lived in a predominantly brown area where most people were going into medicine. So I, I don't know if it was also just the effect of all those people around me made it feel mm. like that's what I should be doing too. And then also made me feel special because I was good at art in a sea of people who um, were very science heavy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so eventually I decided that I wanted to do graphic design. And mm-hmm. that was entirely based on the idea that I knew that that was an art job. I had never really heard of other <laughs> art positions. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. It's kind of like, oh yeah, this is a career. I can I can get a desk job <laughs> if I do graphic design. Yeah, yeah. yeah I feel <laughs> like my entire basis of what careers existed at that age was like, um movies or like and I feel like graphic designers was at least like a role I had heard of or like everyone in every romantic comedy like worked for a magazine or something and I was like Mm -hmm. I guess those are jobs um (laughs) so I I applied for graphic design at a lot of places including um Sheridan College where um which was maybe just like a half hour away from where I lived and uh I took my portfolio there and it was like a pretty broad portfolio and when I got there they had an open house and they had um this animation talk going on and I I walked in and um there was just this like great discussion about everything you could do in animation and um also just how silly it was like I I felt like this part of my life looking for like what my career should be had felt so serious for so long and I went into this talk and they're showing cartoons and I like everyone's laughing and we're also talking about the seriousness of it and it was just like this vibe that I really loved because I at that moment knew that that was exactly what I had wanted to do and I had never had a word for it mm-hmm. and it finally felt like oh this is what it's called okay now I know and uh, that was the moment I then changed everything and I spent an extra year working on a portfolio to get into Sheridan Animation 
And it has, I'm so glad I did that. Uh, now on top of like what you were asking about, um, about like writing is mm-hmm. I was always like a, a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when I look back at all my old school reports and everything, like again and again, I see like the teacher being like, Aminder likes to read in the back of the class <laughs> and sit by herself. Like, um, I again, didn't really put together my interests with a job for a very long time um there was a lot Mm. of like uh, a lot of my life I think I lived thinking about external pressures like Mm. I think you're supposed to do this I think you're supposed to go into this and you're supposed to get these grades Mm -hmm. and if I look back now with hindsight I'm like well I was doing all the things that I now do today as my career I was drawing all the time I was Mm -hmm. reading a lot um and I just didn't put together that you can just do what you like (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that kind of came late to me um but I it took me a while to get my confidence in writing and that I think is in part that when I studied animation we didn't really learn writing Mm -hmm. um and by the time I got into a, a career um it felt so distant from drawing it felt like a completely Mm -hmm. different uh, and it is a completely different career but it also felt really foreign and far away and had its own language um that I it kind of started to intimidate me uh until I got to do more board driven stuff and then I was like oh no like this is just it's just another language to be creative Mm -hmm. and so it was nice to get to try a little bit of both of them in becoming a writer later and then you know doing directing as well that's so cool. I love that you're, I love that you seem like you weren't like reading a ton of comics, like you were reading mostly books, right? Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what kind of, was it like kind of like school curriculum or just kind of like any kind of book that you could get your hands on? Um, I, okay. Uh, yeah, I came to, com- you like latched onto that really quickly. I came to comics really, really late. Um, my first kind of real comic experience um, was uh, Persepolis, where mm, I yeah. didn't realize that comics could be that. Um, mm-hmm. I, I hadn't really been. I, I knew about the the you know the Batman's the Spider Man's, um, and mm. I had seen those, and the art was like always incredible. But they also felt really, really. Um, uh, I just felt like <laughs> you you got to catch up on fifty years, so there's a lot going on there. Right, um, and the yeah. same was with like for me. Um, manga had kind of that same feel where like sometimes like I would pick up a a book and I'd be like well here's volume 32 and I'm like am I ready to like read all the rest it felt like (laughs) so much um but yeah Persepolis was my first real experience of what you could do with a comic and how serious and funny you could be at once um but and then before that I I had read Naruto and that was like um uh, like a really um it was a bizarre experience because I read it um in a exchange program where I, I went to Vancouver and um I was staying in um this girl's room and she had all of the shonen jumps and oh, I just started at yeah. night reading them because I hadn't brought any books and then I got addicted and and it was a really nice way to binge them without the pressure of feeling like oh gosh like you know here I go like it just kind of happened more naturally um because she already had them all that's so funny that's so it's just like yeah because I was like I was like I remember reading on your uh Instagram profile like way way back even before you posted women women world you posted this like little 
10 page comic that is very like I don't know it's like very anime coded but in in the um, uh <laughs> how, do, how do you say like uh I'm looking for mise-en-scene kind of like uh the, oh, you know like, like the tone yeah, like the direction of it. Not the drawings are not anime, and it's just like the campiness of it felt very anime. I don't know if you. You're oh. totally right. You're like, cause yeah, that one. So I can kind of go into that a little bit. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, my comics journey started when I, I got like uh my first big projection in animation, um, and I feel like everyone in animation has to go through that moment where like mm -hmm. all your dreams kind of suddenly crumble, and I had been in a development deal for like years and I felt like after I got um, my rejection I felt like I hadn't made anything in so long and nothing that could be shared mm -hmm. and so I was just like I just want to get back to drawing I just want to remember what it feels like to create something without the pressure of like a giant corporation behind it and an NDA yeah. or anything mm -hmm. and so I started um with this like really simple premise so the first comic I did was because uh, you're talking about my second one but the first one I did was um called Henry Peter oh and right it was, yeah it was like a play on Harry Potter and it was about this boy who finds out this wizard who finds out he's a scientist and it was just like 12 pages and the only thing I told myself was you're gonna make a page every single day you don't know where the story's going but that's the you know that's the catalyst um mm -hmm. that this boy finds out he's a scientist and it's parody so that kind of makes it easier to just mm -hmm. like ease into the designs and knowing what you're kind of what vibe you're going for and literally all I promised myself was one page a day and post it post it because it's it's real shit <laughs> so like <laughs> get over yourself it's fine just post it online um <laughs> and it was really really nice to get into like the zone and just like start literally posting every single day and removing the pressure and yes. then so when I finished that I started on a second one and I followed the same format I was like okay that worked like I didn't feel like I had to come up with this giant story so let me do another parody and so this one was called um this one was a parody of Death Note yes uh, yeah yeah that's what it was I was like that's I was crying this one was so funny <laughs> It was it was so fun. I'm glad you liked it. So it's called Mild Inconvenience, and it was <laughs> um, a parody where this girl, uh, whose name is Dim, based off of Light, um, she finds a book which allows you to mildly inconvenience someone else. And um, so I knew, like, again, it's a parody, so I knew it had to be a little, like, manga-ish, but, like, I don't particularly draw like that naturally, so it was inspired, but, like, you're totally right. It was, like, just kind of setting the scene it was a playground to kind of like move the sand around in and then I did that for even longer I think that was like I did a page a day for like 30 to maybe 45 days and it came to an ending kind of naturally and then by that point I actually felt like making something bigger um because I had finally gotten into a trend mm -hmm. and then so my next one actually ended up being woman world mm -hmm. um but like that's where it all kind of started was just like I need to get back into doing this and this is like an easy way to get there and I didn't at that point know that that would you know result in like a publishing deal or anything like that like you know three ideas down the road but 
I just wanted to very kind of like slowly get back into making things for myself. I totally, this is so great to hear because I feel like for a lot of artists in animation, especially people who got into animation, like thinking like, I'm going to create, I'm going to have my own show. I'm going to create this great (laughs) idea. I'm going to revolutionize animation. Like there's a moment you have to like yeah, I realize. I had my hand up for all of those, by the way. Like I was that person. Yeah. You and I, you and I. <laughs> I am the messiah animation needs. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, I, you know, I feel like uh, you have to have that attitude a little bit if you're going into animation because it's kind of like, a, you know, it's like it's a competitive industry it's kind of hard so if you don't have a little bit of like those um I mean I think you need an ego yeah actually really do yeah <laughs> yeah 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 I I was looking for the world the word um you know when you're like a little delusional delusional oh my god that's exactly what it is so yeah I feel like you have to be a little delusional when you go into animation at the beginning because it's hard <laughs> it's hard and you have to be like I could do this right you know um, yeah I think yeah you need to when you <laughs> it, it, like come into entertainment like that is you need to be starry-eyed uh, you need to have big dreams and big hopes and even now as like as an older more experienced artist um I love meeting young artists who like have that uh, just like that feeling that they can also do those big things because they might be able to but like I maybe I'm just sounding like a vampire but I feed off of that energy like I I love it like I love seeing um, just the purity of it I guess like just the hopes and dreams that they come in with um, it's wonderful and like you really need that energy to kind of keep this machine churning because if it was all running off of how jaded slowly people become yeah. it, it would it would not be going anywhere fast I yes very relatable very true uh, <laughs> um I I really like that insight and I feel like um it's funny because we all kind of like think we can do it within animation and I feel like a lot of us who end up making comics kind of come into like that um like through the back door making comics I kind of like yeah like oh I'm I'm spending so much time doing storyboards and all of the stuff I can't share and it's like taking so much of my day or like I want to like have a little bit more of a voice but I'm I'm not a writer on the show so there's only like so much that I can uh bring to the episode so having kind of like all of this um creative energy that isn't really going anywhere I feel like comics is such a great outlet especially now that we have social media and social media is like so great to just be able to put stuff out there uh you know like because how do you feel for you like when did you notice a little bit your your following or like the interest peaking in your comics because I'm sure it must have been like quite a ramp up at some point right yeah um so for me it was um when I started posting woman world um so uh, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Woman World is a graphic novel I published in 2018 with Drawn and Quarterly, and it follows this um, group of women um, in a world in which men have gone extinct, but it's very slice of life and, and just like their daily troubles. Um, and I started that as an Instagram comic pretty um I think like just a couple weeks after the 2017 Women's March. And I like had just come home with like a couple ideas after having seen all these signs that said the future is female. 
and I was just like oh it'd be like kind of funny to do like this comic and like um I like sent a I think I sent a text to like a couple friends and which actually ended up on the last page of the graphic novel of like hey here's an idea I have and that was woman world and so I started posting that online and I think at that time again I was coming off of that small zine Henry Peter and then mild inconvenience and I thought this was going to be another like you know 12 pager just a couple comics get kind of brainstorm um and then I started getting a following um, and it happened like fairly like fast um, where I think it was kind of a zeitgeist thing where like it's it's something you can never quite um, predict is just mm-hmm. like how something will hit culturally. Uh, so I, I think it just came out at the right time where people started sending it to their friends. And mm-hmm. I was watching the madness on, on my end where um, I could see the stats, uh, like how many people were sending it to others, how many people were just tagging friends in the comments. Mm-hmm. And I started like yeah, getting followers pretty fast after that. And I, I saw this, I guess, void for like this, this type of um, uh, comic out there that I guess didn't exist. And oh, and mm-hmm. the other thing is, um, which might be interesting to people is that this was maybe just a few months after um, Instagram introduced Carousel. Uh, Interesting. So this, oh, yeah. So, yeah, like that's when webcomics really took off on Instagram. So, again, yeah. like I'm sure like, you know, ideas themselves <laughs> matter, but also it's it's very much like of the moment, right? Like the distribution mattered as well. Mm-hmm. So I was able to use that format. And suddenly, like, there was a reason for someone to stop and, like, now um, see what the next panel gave you. Because a lot of webcomics up until that point had been the four-panel yes, one post on Instagram. Um, and so it was really fascinating to watch this audience start, start to come in. And I just kept posting more and more. And mm-hmm. um, 100 comics later, so roughly because I was posting twice a week, that was a year later, I was like... Um, I think I got up to 150,000 followers and I was like, wow, like I was not expecting this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew I was kind of done with the idea in that specific format. Um, and so I decided to kind of start looking into self-publishing, um, mm-hmm. which when I looked it up, I was like, oh, this is like really hard. I don't know if people self-publish. Yeah. Um, I kind of get it for digital, like book, like ebooks. I, yeah. I get it, but for comics like you know like you want people to hold them like it has to be physical it's just so much more enjoyable when you get to hold it in your hands and so then I started thinking about going with a publisher and one of the benefits was that I had been entrenched in animation for so long that I went into publishing completely blind and I was just like I uh, like let's see what happens I had nothing to lose and so Mm -hmm. I started with like googling drawn and quarterly and they were like my favorite publisher Mm -hmm. and I went to their website and they had a submission link and I was like well all right like let's go for it and I sent them a link to my comic and then they like responded a week and a half later being like let's make a book um so cool (laughs) I kind of just like fell into publishing and comics kind of like um, backwards from there but I also think you were talking about how like we kind of go to comics as like this release from mm-hmm. animation and I, I totally agree with you like it was I really love animation um, 
but it, it can be exhausting to also like work in the thing that you love mm -hmm. <laughs> um animation has kind of broken my heart a few times mm -hmm. um and development especially can be can be really hard like I I used to be critical of tv shows like when I was younger and now <laughs> I feel like anytime I hear someone being critical of anything I'm like do you know how amazing it is that anything ever even gets made <laughs> like I just like <laughs> defending everything all the time <laughs> I know exactly what you mean I feel like yeah 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 it's it's so crazy because sometimes you know it's funny that you say that because I at first I was like well you just gotta have a great idea and then you go in your idea might be great but then you you know they're like well we have something too similar we have like this and that we don't know you enough you don't have enough credits da, 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 da. so you're like well I'll just get all my credits and then you get the credits and they're like <laughs> still and then you know you're like well maybe I just need to be buddies with all the execs and then even when you're buddies with them they're like I love you love your stuff but I have bosses as well and you're like Girl. oh my gosh yeah I 100% agree with that like no one I think from the outside realizes the randomness of of it all uh the luck aspect of yeah. like were you in the right place at the exact right time with something a company wanted and I agree. Like I thought it was it was hard work. Like that's what like yeah, yeah sets yeah. you apart. And it's like, no, everyone who doesn't have a TV show is also working really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so it's it it was kind of exhausting being in a system where so much of it's out of your hands. And I also think that's like one of the the greatest aspects of animation is that it it's a team job. Like it kind of feels like being in in an orchestra I guess like it's like yeah. everyone has a position and you're all trying to make something together and pass it off as if one person made it and so there's this like great beauty in following a vision mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and then the exhausting half of that is also that it's like it can be quite frustrating if there's you know if you really wanted a solo when you were in the orchestra mm -hmm. <laughs> You don't want to ruin the, the you know, uh, maybe I'm forcing myself into this analogy too much, but you, you don't want to ruin the song you're already playing. And so you need to start doing something in your spare time to just kind of, yeah. again, like kind of the ego thing, like you need to yeah. quench that need to make something that's your own voice. Um, and so they both have their their darknesses. Like it's in animation, I also felt like sometimes I was hiding. Like I felt like there were so many great people around me that I was I wasn't sure if I was good or if I was actually just like great at hiding and <laughs> other people shine. And so making comics forced me to like actually see if I was worthy, I suppose, of um, yeah. what I hope sometimes others are in animation. And it was hard to make something on my own. And I mean, sure, you know this, considering you're also like in, in comics, it's, it's exhausting. Um, yeah, it's also really freeing. And just really, it, it's well, a, yeah. and also, I mean, I'm just really happy you're all you agreed for the podcast and stuff, because you've been like a huge inspiration for me, you know, like seeing you posting women, women's world. And like, I was like, well, this is like, so cool. And like, Aminder can be in animation and also be successful in comics. You know, like I always kind of had this idea that it was like mutually exclusive. And I don't know, for me, you kind of like looking at your work, I was like, you could do both. And uh, it was just <laughs> really cool. And, um, and also just like, uh, I liked just so much how 
like seeing seeing your comics evolve like seeing how like at first it was very very like just because I I always kind of am looking for artists that are kind of um inspiring to me in my in in the way that I approach art I'm kind of messy I'm not very I'm not someone who loves to do like super finished like illustrations like I like um reading comics or or looking at art that isn't extremely polished that has a little bit more of like like a life and like a messiness to it and I like that your very first comics of women's world is like I'm like the art is like exactly at the right place to serve the idea and like the idea really shines and that you know and like it's seeing that it's doing really well as well is like oh it's possible kind of thing you know um, I'm, I'm so I'm so grateful for you to say that I mean because that was a choice like woman world is as simple as it looks because my my notion was that like I have to, I want to make something and I've already tried that Henry Peter which had color and I had tried mild convenience which was way more um like a manga feel to it and I was like I need to make something that I can actually keep doing and right, I had yeah. decided that like okay two times a week feels doable and on top of that, I wanted to make a, the comic style as simple as possible so that if I felt like changing the comic an hour before it posted, I could do it. Mm. Um, because in like forcing myself to draw too finished and I, I just don't think it would have served the idea, which was more so that I wanted to get better at joke telling. Mm-hmm. Um and so like simplicity just felt right for that. And I really, there were some comics where I went back and like, they were kind of redone within like, yeah, a couple, maybe like a half hour before they were even posted. Um, and it was just nice to be able to do that. It was very freeing. And then yeah. to to speak to like, I, I'm so, um, it, it's so nice of you to say that like I was an inspiration. I also sometimes worry because it, it, you know, it can create this like unreasonable standard of like, what are people capable of? Like, can you work full-time in animation, also be making comics on the side? And I think it's possible if you're, again, like you're making something more simplistic. Um, yes. But some people are, <laughs> I, I think they're just like on that road to burnout with with the, the stuff they're making. It, it's it, when the that caliber, when that standard starts getting just like, it starts rising a little, a little too high. Yeah, that's a little scary for me. Yeah, totally. I think that's a that's a great thing to talk about because um, I do feel like um, that's something that like we as artists, it's like easy to like fall in that trap where it's like, um, oh, like it's getting more popular. I need to make it better and better and better. And I and sometimes I even see it within a show, not even within like personal art, but sometimes I see like artists like getting positive feedback from their storyboard or whatever they're working on and then they're like well uh in order to keep that validation coming I have to make it better for for the next pitch and then they end up in that cycle of like more and more and more but then it's there's a moment you you know we're just people we can't (laughs) you know you can't you know you can't keep it's exhausting yeah I mean it's it's so uh amazing when like you see a show get like um you see the caliber of like the crew they've been able to get Mm -hmm. and it's also sometimes scary because you're like oh no these people will be like the death of themselves because they're gonna raise that standard with each storyboard 
Uh-huh. You're going to look around and be like, oh, yeah, my story has got to be better too, which is sometimes healthy, but there is a tipping point where like yeah. then everything starts becoming exhausting. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And um, now that we're talking a little bit about animation, I want to kind of like um, uh, take it back to you in college looking for your first job and kind of like how that was for you were you like in Sheridan when uh, di- did you just go to Sheridan and like look for an internship or was it like were you already doing freelance in school how was kind of like your relationship to getting that first gig or your foot in the door um yeah I I so I was graduating from Sheridan um in 2011 and that was the first year I think that um, Nickelodeon came to Sheridan Mm -hmm. Um, and I actually don't know if they ever went back like and if they I don't think they had ever been before so again just to like you know uh, Mm -hmm. acknowledge the kind of luck of the moment Mm -hmm. um, they happened to go that year and they were talking about their internship program um, which I'm sure you know like you know it's a whole production internship and Mm -hmm. um I interviewed and it had nothing to do with our art or like our, um, you know, putting together a portfolio. It was like very much personality based. Um, and I just, I was such a Nick kid growing up. Like I was such a nineties Nick Nickelodeon kid. And <laughs> I know in Canada, the Nickelodeon channel actually didn't come until pretty late. Um, so other people didn't know like the history, like I knew it. And so I interviewed well with them and um, then came out for the summer to do their internship. And I really enjoyed it. Like Nick had a really fun culture. And I think it was like looking back on like, it was just such a great place to start. Um, Everyone was so friendly. um, And everyone was so open to like meeting up and like giving advice. And so I took the internship, which was, I think, three months at the time. And um, I talked to a few people. And so I had graduated at this point from Sheridan. And we do our um, fourth year thesis film. Um, we don't make a film every year, but we definitely make one in our in our final year. Mm-hmm. And so I talked to a lot of people about like, well, how do you get a job? <laughs> I, I don't know how do you do that part? And, and there was a lot of great advice. Um, like one was like, okay, you need to just go tell people that you're like looking for a job. Because like I was meeting up with a lot of people, but like I wasn't just saying that <laughs> I was, like, was kind of like you know making like almost like flirting I was like just like you know making it known that like yeah, yeah I'm yeah. around um <laughs> and so I started being more deliberate and saying like no I'm not like going back to school after this internship like I have officially graduated so I'm like ready to work and then the other advice I got was um I showed my film to a couple of people in the production I was working on and um they were like oh you know you need to go show this to people and say like you did every aspect of the filmmaking because yeah like I had done everything and so um I started kind of understanding that like I was showing others that like I it wasn't even like I'm not going to pretend like my film was great but like but I was showing people I could finish something Mm. (laughs) like I made something from start to finish it is uh completely done there's like uh you know a coherent story in it um and I was it it was more than a portfolio I guess at that time like I could have probably prepped something some some more stuff but like it was enough to showcase just who I was and so I at the end of the the three months I had also done a bunch of Nickelodeon tests um 
some for jobs and some for just like a lot like fun and like getting advice back so I had also like gotten a portfolio by the end and I got hired onto the production that I was interning on um and then I also had my first taste of what it's like working in entertainment because just a few weeks into my first job where I had you know gotten my visa I'd had my moment with that Mm -hmm. squirrel and thinking about like ah like okay I'm moving countries had a big goodbye from home and felt like I was on the start I was on the precipice of you know being the messiah that (laughs) just being like oh this it's all starting now (laughs) a few weeks into my first job the show got canceled (laughs) what show So this was a robot and monster back in 2011 and the entire crew was so lovely and delightful and the show owner Dave Presler was so lovely and it was a really bizarre experience because I I don't like I know nowadays a lot of shows are getting canceled but um back then um it wasn't as common, especially because they'd gotten picked up for a season two. And I was there for that. I was the reason they hired because they got a a season two, like I got a position and then it was suddenly taken away from them. And I didn't know that that was possible. I didn't know that something that can even happen. I remember being at the meeting where they, you know, get everyone together to, to, to say the bad news. And I was like, unsure of like, if it was a joke at first, like I was confused. And I still remember walking back from like that news to my cubicle and hearing all the other, um, I was a revisionist, hearing all the other revisionists like suddenly start like clicking and like on their keyboard, obviously sending emails out or like I could hear like people um, starting cell phone calls and like, you know, kind of just like rushing out of like the area to go talk to someone at a different studio (laughs) I was like I sat down at my desk and I still had like my revisions that I needed to do open and I was like well I don't know who you call I don't have anyone else like I and I just like kind of sat there in my like confusion and it was like really like now like looking back I'm like oh I guess it was so traumatizing that like after that the next few jobs I took I like usually try to jump off um early like if I if I had another something lined up it was more important to me to have um a job than it was to do something I even wanted to do so like and I didn't even realize that at the time that it was because my first job had ended like this Mm -hmm. um so I I did get like um uh, I mean, I got another job, obviously, like I, I it did all work out in the end. Uh, but then th- there's also this other aspect that like maybe no one really talks about. But like when a show is when a show ends or a show is canceled, like whichever one you want to say, um, all those artists suddenly go to different studios, different, um, you know, other productions. And so your network grows a lot. <laughs> yeah overnight yeah and so I like that crew was so amazing already um that a lot of those people went on to do like really great things like I'm trying to think of everyone who was on it but like I'm pretty sure like like so Chris Houghton was on it and like you know created Big City Greens just like a few years later um Carrie Lau was on that and like we were all revisionists um uh, there were just like a lot of like people who went on to do like these really great things. So mm-hmm. I also think it was like lightning in a bottle of like a really great crew. And it was also like horribly traumatizing way of entering the industry. And I think like I'm kind of now okay with like the the randomness of it all. But it, it took me a while to 
to get used to like oh that can just that's not supposed to happen that's actually not the norm that's yeah not what you <laughs> it's kind of interesting to hear because it is like we are right now as we're recording the episode in a really weird place in animation right now because i mean um mm-hmm. people who are listening to a podcast i'm sure like you've all heard uh, with all the layoffs and all the like cuts and everything um but but it's always been an industry that's been kind of like unstable in the sense that it uh when your show ends like you don't really like you might not be able to stay with the studio because it's like you're you're working on a show more than that you're working at the studio if that makes sense Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah that everything is a contract that like Mm -hmm. you're not you're you're are an employee but like yeah it's it's all contract based it's, it's hard to describe to fam like your own family sometimes yeah yeah it's kind of funny and it's I really relate to that thing that you're saying about like uh leaving a show before it ends because um at least in France it's very 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 contract based as well like uh for some reason so hopefully I think they fix that but I think that's something that we're working on here in the U.S. as well to fix this so like because I know there's a shift in the industry right now that's kind of going towards that a little bit where like instead of being an employee they're starting to employ board artists like unit uh mm, in a unit-based right. kind of yeah. way because the, the orders are getting so short so it's like if there's only going to be six episodes why would we hire people as employees we might as well just get them as freelancers but then when you're a <laughs> freelancer you end up so um but but that's kind of always been the case and in France where like you would get new contract for every new episode which is like it's yeah it's a it's a crazy place to be because you're like you're still going in the studio but you're like "Hmm." so um it's always like it kind of but then you know you take the power back right and you're like it goes both ways it's like if you're not gonna employ me for a whole year just for episode per episode I'm just gonna be looking around all the time for what's the next best thing Especially yeah. if you're on a visa, like if you, yes. you know, if you need to do something, if you need to have a job to stay in the country, like that's a, it's a lot of added pressure. And like, yeah. even yeah. now, like I'm thinking back on it and I was talking about luck and like my first book coming out, but like, I, I kind of had forgotten that like the other aspect of luck um, was that I had just gotten my green card because suddenly I could work um, on a publishing deal Yes. And I didn't need a visa. Um, and so that there was also this aspect of like the timing of that. Um, but yeah, you're you're completely right. The contract side is um it's exciting because you get to work on a lot of things. Like my mm. career has been like I've, I've gone to do a lot of really cool things all over the place. Um I I was at Nickelodeon, um as uh, Sanjay and Craig there, Pinky Malinky, um I then I went to um, Cartoon Network and I was on um, JG Quintel's uh, Close Enough and Mm -hmm. uh, then I went to Disney and um, it was on the Owl House and then Netflix, uh, Sony um, and and then now I'm I'm back at Cartoon Network on the shorts Um, but um, like that's me looking back with hindsight of like also like oh it's like so great that I got to amass all that experience but I also know that like when you're on a visa and you're like yeah. jumping around it's like a lot of it's also coming from a place of fear as well you're like oh I gotta get that next thing I gotta go <laughs> for real yeah like oh my god I relate it's so also much. like so much burnout like when I do hear yeah. about like so I did I don't even know how many first seasons in a row 
Um, ah. But nowadays, that's become kind of a norm, right? Like, like yeah. you said, like some shows are six episodes or something. So people are jumping from season one to season one to season one. Yeah. And season one is exhausting. It is. Yep. Season one is a passion project. <laughs> you have to be willing to put in long hours. Um, and, you know, season two, that usually pays off. Like you you have a, a world built now. But I can't imagine like how many people are just exhausted right now because it, it even just takes you like five six months on a show before you're like okay now I get it now I know yep. how to draw those characters I know the feel I know what notes usually come my way and oh wait now it's done <laughs> it's bizarre exactly no that's something that's like I wish that was something that um was more talked about but season ones are like so hard because everybody's trying to figure it out and it's not just it's not just the board artists it's not just the designers it's not just the directors or even just the showrunner the freaking studio is also trying to figure out the show so it's <laughs> being figured out on so many levels that you have like the notes are so sometimes they can be like pretty intense like it, it can kind of like touch it like into the core of the show which is like sometimes like and and so that translates into like well we have to rewrite a full act of the episode we have to write and then it's just kind of like, drop an episode yeah Ugh. Yeah, so tough. Um, but then usually, like you said, like in season two, like like not only has the art been approved for the world, but also people are starting to figure out figure out the tone of the show, figure out how uh, you know, like the filmmaking of the show. Is this more mm -hmm. of a flat kind of show? Is this more like of a of a sitcom or like is it more action-y? Like all yeah. of that stuff. The show might be out and like they're getting audience feedback now and it might be good. So like the execs have kind of like stopped, you know, with their notes. Like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's so yeah. So I mean, when I worked at Disney, um I was there when Dana got the um uh green I was in development when Dana got the green light for the Owl House and um uh, like it was so amazing to get to go watch her like go make her own show and then I also got this other Disney had a, men or a mentorship program at the time that I was part of and I got to mentor under Dana and Matt Youngberg um, from DuckTales and so I got to watch all these behind the scenes kind of um, meetings and things um, with Dana as a first-time showrunner with an original idea and then with Matt as like this um, uh, uh, kind of more seasoned um, mm -hmm. showrunner with an IP so like that was in itself like a really interesting experience of learning uh, you know just <laughs> how different and also in some ways how it's the same like how just what a bizarre experience it is for everyone who's suddenly thrust into that position and just like how the show, the shows are like, they thankfully come out the end looking so coherent and put together, but it's it's very like messy in the, the making of, of all of these like big animated shows. It's a lot of like hoping for the best and trying your best constantly while also trying to balance out like a, a life at home and give yourself enough time to recover. It, it is, it's. It, there's no way to prepare for it yeah that's crazy I feel like um what would you say for you like uh witnessing like the like such two different like such different experiences of like Dana for some creator uh original IP and Matt um season uh creator with um legacy IP what would you say are like the biggest differences that you would see in the room is it kind of like 
Um, mm, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think there was like a instant feeling of um, um, like I guess potential feels so different, right? Like, mm. um, our house wasn't out yet, and like, um, there, it, like when a show isn't out yet, it has so much potential, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is well a big weight, a uh, big stress to to make something under, um, and then uh like so I would go to uh, I would see Dana behind the scenes and she's such a stoic um like showrunner mm-hmm. and like it was just really fun to watch her because I also think like me and her like our personalities are really different I'm a very much a people pleaser mm-hmm. and like Dana has like this um really like I felt like she could command a room with like her um like her quietness mm-hmm. um and so it was really like invigorating to get to watch that and on the other end, like Matt would like felt like um like there was kind of like a not a slowness in the production because they were like full steam ahead, but also just like this um like a slowness in the tempo, I guess, of each meeting. Like they kind of mm. knew what the feel of the show was, and even if something it seemed like was coming up, um you know, and was causing a problem, like they had enough confidence in that it'll get fixed. So it was mm. interesting to get to watch the different tempo of each person. Um, I mean, also, like, you know, look at that age difference, too, right? Like, it's, right. um, I grew up, like, uh, um, with, like, the, not grew up, but I, when I was in college, like, I think, you know, we're part of that same generation where we got, like, a very bizarre standard of, like, how young a showrunner could be. Yes. Um, that's mm-hmm. actually, all the young showrunners are actually exceptions, right? Like, most of the yes. showrunners are quite seasoned and older, um and so it was like also interesting in a time being like wow like the age of a showrunner it could be like as young as like 25 like that's now like I as a 33 year old I'm like oh my gosh like that is that is too much pressure for like someone who's that young use your 20s to get as much experience as possible (laughs) honestly for real yeah that was the thing that was a oh my gosh there's so much to say about this but long story short it it has put a really big pressure on our generation because there were all these headlines about all these showrunners that were like yeah, getting shows as young as 25. And it's like, your brain isn't even finished as 25. You know, you're like, <laughs> and it's like, what? Um, I mean, There's that's so really pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're not only just like responsible for a crew of like, sometimes up to, I don't know, 50 people. But you're also like dealing with like, business people and that's like, really, uh, that's tough. Yeah, uh, you're, you're, like I guess almost not like a CEO like dealing with stakeholders but close to it I guess yeah Yeah. I mean I I remember thinking that that was so normal that I felt behind in where I was in my career like a few years ago and like I had to stop and be like behind what like what am I comparing myself to like I had some sort of like um kind of like a Mario Kart like ghost version of me yes where he's like (laughs) doing all these like bananas things like that I'm like trying to catch up to but like you know all you can do is be where you are and so you can't actually be behind but I I am grateful that all of that like jumping around like not only did I get to see like yeah Dana and how she navigated a big company um how she fought for you know what she knew was right um the passion she brought but like I've also gotten gotten to see other show creators like um like uh Megan Dong like getting to work on Centaur World and like she's really influenced how I see leadership she has such a 
um, uh, like a I don't know how to like a calm presence, I suppose mm -hmm. that was, it was really lovely to see. Um, you know, I, I, JG was really fascinating as well. Uh, Calvin and Sean Shallows on that. Sh like they ran mm -hmm. a show uh, and it like, there was no sense of like crushing pressure. It was like very laid back and fun, mm -hmm. um, you know? And then like, you know, I, I didn't work with um Alex, but like Alex Hirsch has like been really kind enough to offer me great advice, especially when I was um pitching Woman World. He like mm -hmm. had this like I could tell that like, oh, he's just got such an energetic confidence about him. Like you can see like what kind of showrunner he is. Um mm -hmm. I think of others like the like there's comics like like Lisa Hanawalt, like I like I'm so amazed, influenced by her and her navigating between comics and animation. There's just like a lot of really cool people out there who you get to be inspired by. That is like one of the nice benefits of all these young showrunners. I'm glad I'm not one of them, but like, yeah. like, <laughs> like it's cool to see all these have these people around you to be like, wow, like I, I kind of love all the things these these people have made. Um, and they all do it so differently. Yeah, yeah, totally. I I agree. I think it's also really cool to see like um like yeah, all, like you mentioned like there's all these young showrunners but then when you actually look at, at the amount of shows that are being made, there's a lot of showrunners that are uh like more in like their 40s, uh 50s and they've yeah. like kind of like uh, moved their way up into show running mm -hmm. like they then just start show running by being a creator so it's really mm -hmm. it's really interesting to kind of like look a little deeper into that um yeah I think but... like just being like extremely online um like yeah. in that age of like kind of the early 2010s and being like on Instagram Tumblr and like whatever and Twitter and stuff like the people who were on those platforms were the young showrunners and so it kind of created this idea that like oh that's the norm mm -hmm. um but uh no like when you get into the industry you actually see how like varied the age really is right. um and it's just like you can you kind of make this false assumption from what you're seeing online and um, I was going to say, so you mentioned real fast that you were part of the um, Cartoon Network shorts program when you were kind of like going over the different places that you worked um, at in animation. How did you lend into that program? Can you define your role a little bit and kind of like what your experience is like uh, being part of the, the program? Um, yeah, I, you know, I honestly couldn't tell you exactly how I landed that, um, <laughs> but I did get a wonderful phone call asking me if I wanted to be part of it. So I think Woo! behind the scenes, like some uh, <laughs> development execs had like pitched my name in. Um, so it was really nice <laughs> to get that call. And I, I remember, you know, being like really interested in being part of getting to green light shorts uh, that is sorry I should explain what it is so Cartoon Network um, has a shorts program and um, it's I feel like it's just constantly running it's kind of on a hold right now but like anyone can pitch a short and then you have this council um, of artists who I love that everything. it's a council <laughs> absolutely adore how ominous it sounds and like I kind of wish we were given hoods and like we had to meet only like on zoom and hooded <laughs> um, it's it's been a real amazing experience because I, I originally went in with the intention of like oh there's like so many cool people I know who I think like 
should have a short should have like this really kind of stepping stone experience into what it's like show running and like a short is a really great way of doing that into expressing your voice um getting to see all the aspects of production so I went into it with just the idea of how great it would be to get to be part of that um I guess get to be the gate in the gatekeeping process mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, like open mm-hmm. it wide and let people in mm-hmm. um and then in, when I like I've been doing it for over a year now what I wasn't expecting was how much I would level up like just having read so many pictures at this point like I think we've read over 300 um wow. I've like I feel like I've become so much better at telling like you know how to kind of write up a pitch um how to format things and like what works and what doesn't and also just like it it was really um good for me to like I I kind of knew this logically but like so much of animation or entertainment is like emotional that like it's been good for me on the other side to see like how sometimes a short is passed on just because it's not right for the place where you're pitching it like it has nothing to do with the quality of the short itself it's just not right for where it's sitting um and seeing that again and again has been really like wonderful for me because I get to go back in my own brain to you know my own rejections and be like it just wasn't the right place nor Mm -hmm. the right time but that doesn't say it was a bad idea yeah yeah totally yeah that's great I I wonder do you feel like um because on I Cartoon Network you worked with uh JG on Close Enough um Mm -hmm. do you work did you work on other any other shows uh no I didn't um yeah it was an interesting way to go to Cartoon Network since that was an adult show (laughs) that they were doing there it was like this interesting divide um but it was a really cool experience because like they were just trying new stuff and I'm I'm personally like a big believer that the studios I, I guess when they were open and we were all in-house um like they really reflect the kinds of shows that they produce so like mm-hmm. you walk into Nickelodeon and I feel like everyone's loud and there's a lot of energy mm-hmm. and it just feels like the show or like the place that makes Spongebob it feels yeah. like the place that makes the loud house like you can just like sense it when you walk in and Cartoon Network when I walked in it felt like quieter and um yes. it felt like I don't know if everyone was like you know writing in their diaries but it kind of felt like every time you walk past a cubicle that someone's like writing down their feelings um <laughs> true it's so true I feel like a nice experience it's a little bit it's a it's a little true if they were like a click uh like Nickelodeon would be like the jocks and like Cartoon Network is more like the emos or like the 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 dnd artsy (laughs) oh totally yeah yeah Yeah. so it was like I really liked going there even though it wasn't a children's show it was getting to do something different but the feel was all the same um so yeah, that was my only experience there at Cartoon Network, and it was a really good experience. Um, and I left on the terms that like Disney was offering me a development deal. Like it, I wasn't leaving like out of frustration or you know whatever. I was just like, oh, I, I kind of can't you know give the, up this opportunity, so I, I need to go. But otherwise, mm-hmm. I, I would have stayed there a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was asking because I was wondering if you like met any of like the execs when you were pitching or like kind of like, you know, because if that was maybe a way into your uh, like getting to be part of the shorts, it's just so cool that you can like, it's so cool because, you know, you have like now you have like two books behind you. So it's like, 
you're a writer now, right? I don't know if you felt that ever in your career that like as you when you were a board artist, uh, like if there was like a difference for you getting a book out in terms of like being looked at as like a board artist director versus like a writer. Oh, yeah. You know, I think you're totally right. Like I, I, I don't know if I could call it out the same way, like when I was in it, but like I do think my um how people saw me changed which was like an unintentional like reaction to making a book um because mm -hmm. I had never seen myself as one thing mm -hmm. um kind of when you work, start working in animation again because it's so team heavy like you suddenly feel the production grind of like every single person has a very specific job mm -hmm. um and you start like forgetting how to do different elements of other aspects like I like I don't remember how to like animate anymore at all and 10 years ago, I was quite confident in that. And now I, I can't, I don't even know which program people use. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like also yeah. my interest wasn't quite there. Like it was always yeah. in writing and drawing. And so I, I have had the more um, board driven route, which I think also makes it a little easier. Um, mm. But there, there is this distinction, which I think I, I understand for the production side of the studio, like why they have to do it. But like, if, if I could change everything, like it wouldn't be so distinct those roles um writing and storyboarding are so like hand in hand um writing storyboarding directing are so hand in hand and I kind of wish they overlapped a little more in a yeah. um just a more um I guess organic way um even just the fact that we we create scripts in a program you know which was made for live action um putting a drawing into a script is like shockingly hard and mm -hmm. should be very easy if you work in animation <laughs> um, but the program is forcing you to only think in in words so yeah there I, I do think it it rebranded me in a, in a really great way and overall like in meeting execs I actually just think I've always just liked meeting people I I'm I, I was always just curious about animation I like hearing about the marketing side I like hearing mm. about all the stuff that I have zero interest in being part of but I like hearing about because <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone is really good at their jobs even though it feels like sometimes like it's like oh the board artist versus uh I don't know the writers or the the board artist versus the the or the showrunner versus the marketing team like it can feel mm -hmm. like there's these like secret wars going on but I, I also think like everyone is trying their best at the job that they have it's just the yeah. system is a little confusing um so when I did go to different studios I did meet up with each of the development departments um I I like knowing um yeah who's like running the department and also just what their tastes are personally mm -hmm. um and also like I I when you get to meet a development exec you it's nice to hear like their purest form of what they wish the studio was doing mm -hmm. um, because they of course have to answer to a lot of higher ups as well but it's nice to hear like if, if that was not a problem what they would be making um, mm -hmm. I, I just find that kind of inspiring in itself because a lot of those people have like yeah really good taste and they're also really good at um, telling you like who's worth you know um, googling right now who should you be following on Instagram because like I kind of fell off of like finding new artists and stuff and they're really good at keeping up with like who's making some cool stuff so oh. I also think it's really good to meet them in that way um but and the shorts program like you know let's also just like mention that like you pitched a short and like you know you got now a green light for a short 
Um, so hello, like to- <laughs> yeah, big news, everyone. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's been so amazing to see people I know who like, you know, because some people I uh, was poking them to like you know make things mm-hmm. and pitch things and then like someone like you who I know and is like so capable and is like also in comics and is like busy as hell and podcasting and like <laughs> you still found the time to like put together this pitch and it was like an instant yes from like everyone on the council um for multiple reasons because of you like you know we want to invest in the right people because of what the actual pitch was the the, just the drawings were so wonderful and then just like again the the potential that you hold as as an artist and as a as a creator there was just so much going for you so yeah what's it been like on your end Oh, wow. I'm getting a question from the guest, everyone. Uh, no, that's, that's really, that's so, well, that, first of all, that's so sweet for you to say all these things. It's kind of funny because as an artist, you know, like, I don't know, I and you probably relate to that as well, but there's a little bit of like, keep your head down and just keep working and then eventually something's going to happen. But that, just doing that alone isn't enough. And you do have to do, like you just said, like meeting up with people, networking, reaching out. And because there's, I don't know, there's this weird, I, I don't know where this idea comes from, but I had a little bit of this like secret wish maybe it's like cinderella i don't know but it's like i'm just gonna keep posting until somebody notices me and it's like sometimes that happens but so rare and it's like you have to keep putting yourself out there and i um for me i was just kind of like the way i i actually um pitched to the shorts program was just because i have been really wanting to get more into writing so i could have a like so i could do a little bit more of the shows that I really want to work on I feel like I really love goofy shows with heart like Thundercats Roar was like so perfect for me to work on because it was so goofy and so fun and you know there's not a ton of shows like that out there right now Mm -hmm. so and I heard from like the you know the little whisper um I know whisper network is not the right word but it's like from people just talking because you know you you know a ton of people in animation so people talk <laughs> yeah and like uh and I heard also from some execs like uh there's not a lot of people pitching uh comedies right now there's not a lot of people pitching cartoony stuff um apparently we're like in from what I heard we're like in a very kind of like 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 introspective dramatic mm. type of like pitching um vibe and I was like well that's great I love pitching cartoons so I was just like I have this little thing that was like sitting on the side I'll just format it into a pitch and I was just like we'll see we'll see what happens and I'm I'm trying now because I used to spend like a lot of time building stuff from scratch but now I think I'm trying to be better about like what do I have that's been like cooking in the back of my brain and how can I just make it really simple and I, I I got the pitch actually the pitch the uh, you know the little um, uh, document that you guys put out the cartoon yeah. cartoons with the uh, the little pitch from uh, Tig and Seek which was right called, yeah how was it called We Seek uh, the original title oh shoot uh, uh, it was similar but a little different but yes. um it was really great because I was like okay I'm going to sit down and do exactly what you know in in middle school I don't know if in Canada you guys had that but in the U.S. there's like this um 
way of formatting an essay in a very 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 specific way <laughs> right like MLA or like something yeah yeah and I was just like at the time as a kid I was like oh I hate this I hate having to like fit into a formula but now I'm like oh the reason why there's formulas is because it helps people communicate when people mm -hmm. know what to expect like when they know how the information is coming to them it helps them understand it so now I'm like okay I'm gonna <laughs> literally try to copy how Tig and Seek did their pitch where it's kind of like you start broad then the world then the characters and kind of like and like the way they describe so I really tried as hard as I could to do that and it actually helped a lot because I was like because also I tend to be like all over the place so I was like okay <laughs> I mean I can tell you that like like kind of like what you're saying that you understand why there's a format like again like we read minimum 300 pitches last year that's when you're like oh my gosh thank god there's a format <laughs> yeah I yeah, can't yeah. imagine reading 300 <laughs> pitches with different formats to them like how do you even compare those so like yeah like I get it from like the kind of just the the production side of it I guess of like why you need that format there in the first place yeah and also you know like you you it I don't know for me like trying to write more I've noticed like being concise helps get to like the bottom of the idea faster like mm -hmm. uh because you know we could all write like 60 page pitches but then it's like where what am I looking at where's the information and, you know <laughs> so I understand that as well now I'm like trying to think I think yeah that one's just for for you <laughs> yeah <one>. yeah <laughs> it's like nice to have like peers I've also been more um engaged with like writer groups with friends uh oh, nice. where we like share each other's pitches and then you can see like oh yeah like when they pitch me their idea that's the moment when I start kind of like having a hard time paying attention because they're, they're they're covering details or lore or like stuff that I'm like eh, I, I'm not really invested in this right now mm -hmm. um, I mean I know I it's helped me um to pitch something to someone and have them try and repeat back to me what I just kind of said or like not not repeat word for word but like try and tell me what I just said and then I'll hear my own words through someone else and I'm like oh no no, no that's not what I'm trying to say at all and it helps me like discover the right language um that's really great advice so much yeah. of it is just it's a communication issue um yeah like I can tell sometimes when I read pictures and someone's got something in their mind that they haven't quite communicated on paper mm -hmm. but they're they know something that I don't and it hasn't been communicated um and then I also you said something about um uh, I'm trying to remember how you worded it but like how you, you felt like you could just post online and like someone would like notice you yeah yeah like, mm -hmm. Um, I, I know that feeling really well as well. Like there's this, like, I think I, like, I like attention, but I don't seek it out. Like I, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not an attention seeker, but like, I, I do like it when I have it on me <laughs> and yeah, I, I yeah, don't yeah. know exactly what that is, but <laughs> like some part of me kind of wonders if I like had a fear of rejection when I first started out that like, oh, if I go out there and I fail well it's just going to confirm that like I'm not really good for this so instead I'll just kind of stay at the sidelines and show people that I could if they just took a chance on me mm -hmm. um but like I 
yeah, I agree with you. You kind of have to get out there and just start showing people everything. And you have to lean into that rejection. Like you're going to hear no's and you got to start collecting those no's. Um, And those no's often just mean like, yeah, again, like not here, not right now. Uh, Not that it's not a good idea. Just it's, it's, you have to like start forming this new relationship with rejection Um, And then on top of what you said, like about sharing your ideas with a group, a writing group, um, I hadn't realized how much of uh, a perfectionist quality I had where I would just like hold on to things uh, until Mm -hmm. I was like, "Ah, like, it's not quite what I want to show yet. Mm. Um, And I had this like, I would always um, kind of... (laughs) uh think about it like or I'd explain it to people that like I just don't want to get notes on something that I don't I already know isn't working uh Mm. like that's why I um, logically kind of told myself what I was doing Mm -hmm. but um when I just started sharing things that weren't working and also giving people the caveat that like oh here I'm going to show you this outline for this this um comic I have um here's the things I think aren't working like I don't think this character's arc is working and I don't like know about this um magic system or something it was just nice to like give them the top line notes and then just and hand them something that wasn't working it was so freeing to get used to that because you you kind of just you have to get over that hump um yeah it allows you to like yeah see what you actually you know who you actually work with as well like whose notes do you start to appreciate like yeah it just you learn so much about yourself I agree and I think also what's really great about what you said is like being able to tell people what kind of notes you're looking for because it's something that I've started noticing in my career like overall generally like especially moving up to like director and going in like meetings that are like a little bit a bigger scale and having people start a meeting saying these are the kind of issues or notes that we want to talk about in this meeting so that like like limiting the scope of things can like uh and getting in that habit of like telling uh, like communicating efficiently in that way is like so great too because some because now also like working on a comic and having sometimes like asking people for feedback I can be like this is kind of what I want to happen but right now this is the like this is what I'm missing so it could be like either I'm missing a joke uh, or I'm missing a beat or like I'm missing and then like then I I don't know for how you feel but for me it helped me build confidence in now writing or like thinking like well if I ever were to have a room you know like direct a, a, sh- a short or like maybe like move up to like supervising directing or show running I feel like I have more tools because just communicating something clearly is like oh now we're all moving in a direction that's making things go forward instead of like in circles or you know yes yeah I mean yeah it seems a lot of times in animation I'm, I'm sure maybe even like live action like the problems are just miscommunication uh, so often and you know that we have this like it's unfortunate because sometimes if you pitch something to someone they also instantly get a version of it in their head right yes yes. then you're competing with their imagination which is really really hard um and so that's when you understand that like okay we, we need to we need to see things that's why we need the the crappy first drafts because I can't compete with imaginary or theoretical ideas in someone else's head. Yeah, 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 for real. Yeah, that's so important. And something that I didn't really, really realize 
before I started like kind of pitching stuff to other people as well it's kind of like because before I was like oh well it's all in my head and everybody could see that right and it's like no <laughs> people don't they can't look into your mind uh <laughs> uh yeah so funny um I you know what let's go into some questions because there's like some really great questions that have been asked and I think that are um, that I even wanted to ask myself so um let me pull some up uh from our patron ajax the abrasive do you think that working in the animation industry helped prepare you in any way for writing your own book or did you mostly draw uh on your comic experience Ooh, um hmm so i guess it's hard to imagine not having worked in animation it's it's hard to yeah. uh, predict how it would have gone otherwise but I learned a lot from animation. Um, I also think those those two um, industries are like I don't know how to describe their relationship. They're like kind of cousins. <laughs> they're they're both based in sequential art, <laughs> so they're related in so many ways, um, and yet so completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I learned a lot about production. I guess just finishing something, mm-hmm. um, which. You know, like I don't know what it must be like if you come entirely from comics to entirely rely on yourself. Like you must have had to play some really strict rules on yourself from like quite a young age. Um, but from animation, I was already like I knew that like something has to be done by a certain date. That means it actually has to be done because an animation actually like starts getting really expensive if you're late. And so my publishers were surprised at like how I actually was like following through on deadlines and things like that. <laughs> because it's a lot more um, like amalgus in in publishing. Like there's not really any money truly being spent until they're actually printing the books, right? Like that's when you True. start getting money involved. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really know that. And I was like hitting every single deadline and like just really, uh, I guess, surprised them that I was able to do that. Um so in that way, it really helped me um, also getting like a sense of like um, pacing and storytelling uh, that all came from animation. Um, so yeah, it helped me in a, in a lot of ways uh, that like I'm probably going to forget, like, you know, just the fact that in storyboarding, you draw so much uh, really prepares you for comics. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like really helpful to have been storyboarding for years um, because you are ready to draw a bunch of like panels of the same character again and again and again for your book. What I wasn't prepared for was um, how you actually functionally create a book, like what, you know, um, the page uh, pages and like how yeah, a page like, kind of like mirrors another and all that kind of jazz. Exactly. Like what, like how does a gutter work and like how, mm. um, you know, does this, how does this page have to be, how does the left page have to be different from the right page to, to account for the gutter? Or like, um, at what point do you get like blurbs from like people for the back of your book, stuff like that? Like I was all new to, but um, I'm glad that like for the big um, meaty part that like, I I knew how to make something and actually finish it (laughs) all thanks to animation. Yeah. Like you said, also, I feel like, I feel like, animation like having us draw so much so fast all the time that's kind of like a great thing when uh drawing a page I'm like now I know like when I draw a Rodney page I'm like oh I'm not worried about the drawing part I'm just 
I'm mostly worried about the writing part. Like that's, you know, like, you know, is this going to, yeah. uh, is this going to land? Is this going to be fun? Is this going to be like engaging for the audience? That kind of stuff. I always have a huge fear about spelling mistakes. It's like, oh yeah, really bizarre that I spend so much time worrying about spelling mistakes. Um, I think it's because it's you like you feel so silly when you spot it. Um, and like it comes usually from something really, really silly. Like, um, I've had an accidental like B or a Z end up in like some text because like I had been switching from the text in Photoshop to like, mm. you know, to a brush. <laughs> and like then the B ended up in the text. And you just feel so like, oh, how did I not catch that? Like I've read this so many times and I did not spot that. So that keeps me up at night sometimes. Um the same That's way. Really it's, funny. Like, <laughs> it's like it's kind of nice to have my like stress be on something so silly because yeah. the real stress should be on the quality of the work but I also get that with um parking like I have pitched <laughs> at so many studios and I can tell you that like when I was pitched when I was like driving around pitching in studios my worry would be about parking and I would <laughs> get the actual pitch like I would be like that's fine I've got that and I'd be like where do where's the like the entrance and like how long will it take to get to like the office or like to get to like this area or this building from that lot and like I'm ah! so obsessed about that that it would allow me to just like um like kind of like free up my brain and not be <laughs> worrying about like the quality of my pitch <laughs> that's so funny that's so that's so funny I love that actually because it's like yeah that's so true uh like it's good to have a little thing to distract you even if it's um some extra um stress I guess Nonsense. yeah <laughs> Um, we had some questions from, um, brother to drummer and Joe Benson, um, love you guys on the Patreon. I, we have so many good questions though on all the different platforms that I do want to kind of, um, get into the ones that have been, uh, asked on Instagram. And I really love that question from heck dot, uh, XLSX because they're talking about, uh, singe and um they ask how has the process of witch's guide been different from your other comics and if drawings is your magic what is your craft and what's the most <laughs> interesting thing you've ever found from doing research that didn't actually make it into the final product so i think that's like a three-part question oh, you don't wow. have to address all of it but i thought there was some there was some really cool stuff in there Dang, that's a really good question. That's a good three-parter. Um, so how is my, was the first one how my process has changed? Like going into, yeah. which is good? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, it changed a lot. <laughs> um, I, so I, a woman world, each thing I've created has built on the last. Um, woman world, when I finished it, I was like, wow, like I've, I've made a book with um, kind of a coherent story. There's like some really light character arcs in there. And um, I really enjoyed that aspect of it because on a day-to-day -day, Instagram is like, it's just so, um, it's built for one-off comics. Yes. Um, and if you're trying to do something arcing, it's it's really hard. <laughs> so um, it was like one of those moments where after Woman World, I was like, am I enjoying the one-off, the slice of life comics, or am I doing it because my distribution model is Instagram? Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was enjoying it. So when I went into Cyclopedia, I was like, it kind of feels like I get to come up with an idea and then brainstorm all the potential comics around it. And so I approached it in the same way, but I knew that I wanted to add more character arcs and a full like story arc. And I, I wanted all the characters to have a moment where they all interacted. And so that led to this big 
interesting moment in the middle where mm-hmm. all the characters go to this gallery and they're each like the, in the background of other comics and so it was like really fun to craft that world and at that point then I had like now leaned into making more of an arcing story and I knew how to I, I had grown confidence in how, being able to do that and at that point I was starting to get this itch of like making something even bigger mm-hmm. and I really wanted to make like a large world of fantasy like I feel like every teenage girl has like a phase of yeah. where they're obsessed with witches um, <laughs> yeah so like I knew I wanted to do something about witches and I started writing this story in my spare time and for a very long time the idea was like it would be a full comic just like my other stuff um and as I started getting more and more into it I was like uh, this is would have to be really long to present in the exact same way as as other graphic novels and I was also coming to this conclusion where like I was looking at other novel uh, graphic novels or um you know just like comics in general and I was noticing that like there was a lot of redundancy um mm. I like was looking at comics where like one character is giving a speech for a long time and then there's like eight panels of the character and they're just like moving their arms around (laughs) and -hmm, I felt sorry for the artist because I was like ah like you're the format requires a certain panel um count I guess Mm uh and so you're being forced to create new panels because of the caption but this this might have been stronger rather than having eight drawings of the same character with their arms moving around to have one really, really strong, powerful drawing and have mm-hmm. like a lengthy piece of text. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was, I was seeing how the distribution model, how we had become used to the format of comics was kind of disrupting the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same for um, prose books, right? Like I'd read yeah. books where like something was being described and it was like, sometimes you're like, you know what's better than a description is if you just had a photo of the thing <laughs> like a picture here it would be like I like a fantasy that you just like have a map in there that, that's kind of nice and yeah. there's this thing that happens in prose books where like children are introduced to books with pictures in them and there's this idea that you're supposed to slowly read books with less and less pictures in them until you're like truly reading which is like you have a prose book and it's all words and now you have to use your imagination to picture it all it seems <laughs> like I don't know it's like couldn't we just kind of you don't always have to force the reader to use their imagination I feels like we're at a point in creating that like these two ways of storytelling comics and prose books can meld together to create something new mm-hmm. um and I know there's like been a few um Uh, like adult illustrated books but um I didn't quite see anything in the market which exactly reflected what I wanted to do um and so I decided like maybe I'll try something out like maybe I'll do a chapter and then like I don't know maybe I'll use that to pitch a book somewhere and hey maybe I'll realize that like this doesn't work (laughs) you know like Mm -hmm. you have to do it in order to see it doesn't work um but in my head I was like text is so beautiful and we sometimes forget that it's text is a are those are drawings like the letters are in themselves drawings and at some point we divided the idea that there's writing and then there's art but I kind of wanted to meld them back together and you know sometimes it is more powerful to just have an image an image you know like the idea that it's worth a thousand words is true sometimes Um, and then sometimes it's nice to lean on writing um, where images aren't kind of necessary. So I was trying to bring together these two, um, 
ideas in my head and bring them to this very specific story I had where I was like, well, this has to be the right story to uh, bring to create this marriage between these two elements as well. So my process changed quite a bit in that, like, I do have to figure out the art. Um, and I wanted to, again, because it was fantasy, I wanted to make sure it was more tonal and like a little more finished and polished. So mm -hmm. I started inking and this is my first comic where like it's it's inked on paper, which has been really nice to just get away from a, a computer screen. Yes. Um, so, I mean, that may be my answer, what my craft is, I guess. Um, but um, uh, it, that has been really, really different and like scanning and like, you know, doing all the tone and then also having a whole part where I then go change the words to have more graphics on them has been part of the process. And so I, this book, having had done so many comics already, I didn't start posting it online until I felt ready, like I had mm -hmm. enough um kind of to 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 keep going and now there are times where like oh I'm catching up to the where the book is and how finished I am versus where the Instagram comic is but mm -hmm. it, it's been quite a healthy push and pull um and then uh I think the second part was something about my my craft was it comics for my magic? yeah I was yeah okay. it's like um uh, let me grab it again so if if drawing is your magic uh okay. what is your craft Okay, great. So this, I love this question because it's based off of my, my a witch's guide. So in yeah. that, um, you know, the witches have, so I guess for anyone who doesn't know, a witch's guide is my third book coming out soon. It's about a group of witches who live in a society where magic is um, like a commodity and is uh, abused um, in, in an economy in which it relies on magic and therefore witches. Um, and so in that, I also have this concept that a witch must use their magic to to help their town, but they also have crafts which allow them to kind of gain back their magic. Um, so these are all allegories for like, hey, if drawing is my job every day, um, mm -hmm. what do I do when I go home and I don't feel like drawing anymore? Because <laughs> um, it's really bizarre when you start getting paid to do what you love. Um, yes. So my craft, I would maybe say is um, reading. Um, uh, that like, I, I kind of wish I had something more active, honestly, in my life, because I, I swear I'm just like a boulder. Like I just like sit in different areas <laughs> of my house. Um, uh, but that is like my thing that I love to do when I'm not making things. Um, I guess like maybe cooking would be another one. And then like, um, <laughs> this is, it may be too general, but like the literally crafts are also like a really nice way to like get out of your own head. Um, like I did some paper craft last night, um, like kind of like origami stuff. Um, cause it's, uh, kind of very Zen. Like it's, I, I, I don't know if mindless is the right word. Cause it is very, it's very mindful, but it's, um, yeah. you're not like, um, trying to battle some unknown equation in your head. You're just in the moment. Right. And then I think the final part was if there's any research that didn't end up in the book. Um, uh, I'm sure there was. Um, I can't think of anything right now. I think what people might not know is that the world that I've made is so much larger than what's on paper. You know, just to go back to what you were saying about mm -hmm. even pitching an animated show, like there's a whole bunch of things that just don't exist in this version of the story that I have actually thought out. And um sometimes I have to go back and read my own chapters to be like, wait, what do, 
people know because I have a version in my head Mm -hmm. and I don't know if some of those things have quite made it to the page always. So Mm -hmm. I have to constantly check myself, Um, but I can't think of any (laughs) one thing specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. I love to hear that you have a lot that you've already, you have a backlog because I'm on the opposite (laughs) end where I'm just like, I don't have any backlog. I I just I'm done. I post. Um, you're that's that's really it's just because because it sounds like when you started making comics, you were kind of more in that phase of like draw post, and now you uh, when did you start creating a backlog for what you're posting on Instagram? Um, I think after too many years of going through what you're probably going through, <laughs> um, it's it's really hard to kind of live in that. Um. Uh, constant grind um, yeah. and I have this like I don't know these weird rules on myself about like the the purity of um, making things just for myself um, I get really worried when it becomes all about hitting a deadline um, oh, yeah that so I do try and avoid that because that is a great way of getting things done um, it's not the way I want to rely on making things because it does eventually become really, really exhausting and also kind of addictive. Like you start realizing mm-hmm. that like, ah, I'll get it done. Like it'll for sure get done. And then you start pushing when it's even done by, and then it's like <laughs> a minute before you're actually posting it. And you're like, well, pulled it off. Um, <laughs> and then you can do that again. And so I was like, okay, I want to like, make things and when I'm making them I don't want to be like oh looking at the clock and being like oh this has to get done I just want to have some space mm-hmm. and so I was trying to um, I guess ensure the, the purity of that um, in the same way with like I've I've posted sometimes and like gotten too into like my audience and being like well what do they want out of this and mm-hmm. that again kind of ruined ruined the purity of it um, same with um, uh, I have gotten all my book deals after I already started making something because Mm. I didn't want anything to change why I was making something um so I really hold that very very dear I wish I had more like um actual ways on on how to get that done other than like a lot of planning Mm. um I can only tell you like you have to go through the worst of it to realize that like this is not maybe the way I want to make things yeah yeah um (laughs) and then that'll make you turn it around uh because yeah like that's exhausting yeah I know exactly what you mean um yeah like always like being like facing the deadline and stuff but I also I don't know if you feel that but for in my particular experience I really like the fact that um, I can read the comments and sometimes people will pick up on some stuff that I'm like, huh. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me think about that a little bit. And like, sometimes they'll say a thing and I'm like, and I'm like, I'm going to on purpose do exactly the opposite of what you just said. (laughs) But sometimes I'm like, this is interesting. What is there like, what is there that I can kind of, uh, I mean, you know, it's not interactive, but they're for, I don't know, you know what I mean? That's just oh, like I, having I that feedback. get that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's the difference now between, like, I've read loads of amazing books where, like, you get to that last page and, like, I don't know, it's a mystery novel and, like, the mystery solved and then you close the book and you look around and, like, 
you were in your own world and there's no one to talk to and like you just like sit in silence for a bit (laughs) with your own (laughs) thoughts and it's really really reading is usually actually really lonely um unless you're in a book club um people don't read things at the exact same time as you um you might talk to someone who's read the same book and like they read it years ago and they don't Mm -hmm. quite remember what you're you're kind of latching on to and so I love the interactive side of web comics and like getting to see those um comments come in live um and I think yeah what you're saying is really the healthy way of looking at it like it's um like I see sometimes someone will be like asking a question like wait what does this mean and I'm like okay cool that's like a good reminder that like Mm -hmm. that wasn't it's been too long since that other beat that like people might not remember by this point so like just add in a reminder um because this isn't the final version for me it's there's a book version that is the final version and so I just write in a note to myself so I kind of look at it as I I even have it written on my Instagram as like I'm beta testing uh, which is guide um and so everyone who's reading it is part of the beta test. And so every comment does actually matter to me. Um, And you know what? Take like the compliments too. Like some people Mm -hmm. write some really nice things that just keep me going uh, because you can get to a point where you're like, I don't know why I'm doing this. And why Mm -hmm. am I forcing myself to make anything? Uh, You know, like the classic, like everyone's like, I'm going to go buy land and become a farmer. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um, While having no idea how hard it would be to do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) um so it's really nice to get the really lovely feedback as well and just like have people say really nice things it's a reminder to me as well like I I don't think I comment on other people's posts enough and I want always like remind myself to like how much it matters when people do that to me that I need to go do that on other people's as well yeah I know I know exactly what you mean I feel like um like even it's true like even a comment that's just like well, wow, those that was a banger, like so funny. It's like even though it's like it, it takes like like a second for the person who wrote it, you, when you like read it, you're like, oh. Um, yeah. Obviously, sometimes someone will like go out of their way and post something where they like analyzed what you wrote and drew, <laughs> and that is that is the best. Like when someone <laughs> takes time out of their life to sit there and write an essay about whatever you created, I'm like wow thank you you know what I mean yes Uh, when I yeah when I realized that like I was worthy of someone's time like yeah your time is your biggest commodity and like that someone took time out of their day to put their thoughts together about why something I made matters I am so honored yeah like this is honestly like just that feeling like when I don't know experience experiencing it once now I'm kind of like addicted to it I'm like <laughs> I'll just keep making things until I know it doesn't happen often but it's but whatever it does happen it's like yes oh, <laughs> yeah I agree I totally agree it's such a good feeling it keeps you going for a really long time too yes I used to I remember I used to make things out of spite sometimes like <laughs> you know you get rejected in your day yeah. job or an animation then you're like well like I know what like bleh, bleh, bleh. And you <laughs> making something and you're like whatever and like um there's spite is like really I don't know how to describe it I guess like spite is like really powerful like as a catalyst but mm-hmm. it doesn't keep you going <laughs> um yeah yeah, yeah. But love like loving something that you do and seeing other people's love for it as well is just like that can keep you going forever yeah for real it, yeah 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 I feel like I don't know like when 
when you have you know I kind of tell people that like it's like when you have like like five people who will comment on your thing because they love your characters then it's kind of like it's that's all I that's you know that's what I tell my friends I'm like that's all I need just like five or five people who like love because you know then you're like oh I, I need to keep these characters alive for them yeah, yeah I don't know <laughs> uh, yes and that like speaks volumes to it's the quality of like the interaction right like yeah I, I mean I remember go, starting on Instagram and it was a time there I think people still do it maybe you've done it I, I don't know but like there was a time where people celebrated their follower count like you'd get mm -hmm. like I hit a thousand uh, I hit three thousand and I, I never did that personally just because I was really worried about like celebrating something that was out of my control mm -hmm. um I the last time I posted anything about like numbers was like I hit a thousand posts and th mm -hmm. that to me was really big because it's a thousand carousel posts so each of those yes. is like already 10 and that is something that's in my control like I made those so like I like did a little like wow I can't believe I did that um but like I get really like worried about like you know how many people are commenting or anything that's like out of my control it's like no, yeah. no, no it's like the quality of the interaction you're having with people that matters yeah for real yeah totally I I agree with that so much it's like yeah just you know it's like I don't know I love this like corny analogy but this is a little thing with like people like the uh when you have to believe in like tinkerbell and then like she comes back and it's kind of like that thing right when people like believe in you you're like yes yes okay do you believe in fairies <laughs> let's see if you like your number one uh trick for when you get in creative walk what do you do uh in order to kind of feel better doesn't have to be to solve the block. It could be just to make yourself feel better. <laughs> oh, make myself. Um, well, first of all, I just want to say this is a really great question. And like, I've, having listened to your podcast, like, I really appreciate whenever this question comes up because everyone has such different answers. Um, yeah. And so, like, I kind of just want to make a compilation for myself of all of them. Um, they've been really great to listen to, and I really have just enjoyed this podcast. Um, for me, I, I don't know if I have a really any like a good answer. Um, uh other than that like I've kind of learned that sometimes the problem is expectation um mm -hmm. in, in a creative block it's like I'm placing some sort of um unnecessary unnecessary expectation on myself of like where I want to be or why aren't I like kind of good enough to be where I'm supposed to be in a project or like in a in a problem with a specific like uh comic like there's an expectation I'm holding over myself where someone of my caliber is supposed <laughs> to be um and I I just think like it's 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 a very like I need to always stop myself and stop looking at it like that um and reframe it because like a creative block is kind of it's frustrating so it, it kind of helps to reframe it as an opportunity mm -hmm. um and it's it's this maybe kind of lumps in everything we've already talked about but like I kind of now when I, when I'm in the right mindset to do this I I see it as an opportunity to do a really shitty pass I'm like oh my brain is not working in the creative way that I want it to so like I get to be an idiot now I'm gonna <laughs> switch to like doing the worst pass of everything <laughs> yes. it's time to write that shitty first draft prove myself right that like I am so bad at this let's go <laughs> like let's do that crappy rough drawing let's this is your chance to be horrible at what you do like the creative yes. block has like gifted you the chance to be <laughs> terrible um so like that's how I kind of like there are some really bad chapters that I I, I banged 
out when I was in a rut. Um, and I thank God I did because they got those out the way and those were not used. Um, <laughs> so I, I guess it's like, yeah, just reframing it. It's, a, it's an opportunity to, to be as bad as you think you are, to be as stuck as you think you are and just create the, the worst version of what you think you're supposed to be making. I love this so much. This is the first time I've heard it said it in that way. I love that like cr like creative trash fire gremlin you <laughs> unleash. <the> <laughs> I love that. This is super great. Um cuz people often like kind of talk about it in like in kind of like a negative light where it's like, "Oh yeah, I guess it's the vomit draft or like it's the thing that you're like Bleh. and it's like but like being like kind of like channeling this more like kind of yeah you get primal. to be in on the joke like you yeah. get to be in on you're, you're writing it and you know it's bad and you're like laughing with yourself it's, yeah. it's I I just yeah I I, I the re like framing it as a bad thing or something you just have to get through mm -hmm. is hard because I I find it easier to um write towards something like to mm -hmm. to see yeah. the positive I, I find it easier to write or draw towards something versus seeing the negative kind of feels like you're trying to write or draw away from that mm -hmm. and that feels harder to do in my head I know that's a very abstract way of describing it but one of those is easier for me no that makes a lot of sense this is actually really no this is great because you're putting the fun back into something that's really stressful and not fun and I think that's like so smart because and it's the first time I've heard it said that way so this is so cool I'm like so excited that you said that <laughs> um and on this amazing note, y'all, um, that will be the end of this creative block. Minder, thank you so much for being our guest and sharing your story. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course. That was, I was so excited about this episode. I mean, I'm excited about every episode, but I was like, I can, we could talk so much comics. Um, <laughs> and thanks for the listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at creative block without the uh, creative without the vowels. And on Instagram, it's at creative block, creative without the vowels dot block. Uh, yep. We are, we, we tried, um, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to our editor, Clemens, for editing the podcast and Malik for helping us produce the show. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link of in the description of this episode. Um, by the way, the, the money of the Patreon goes um, to our amazing team and all the like things like Zoom or whatever that we're paying. So like you're like literally helping us make the show. Um, I have been your host, V, uh, keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye.